If you head over to loswetguitars.bandcamp.com, you can pick up the album Lost B-Sides by the Low Sweat Guitars. This song is Serenia, and it appears on this episode of Monster Kid Radio. With their permission, my name is Derek M. Cook. I'm your producer and host of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. And I want to welcome you to part two of our look at the collaborative efforts of Bella Lugosi and Boris Karloff, two of the patron saints of Monster Kid Radio, right up there along with John Agar. I got Rich Chamberlain from Monster Movie Kid appearing on this show as well. Instead of focusing on their history and their similarities, we're going to focus more on our top three favorite films featuring both Karloff and Lugosi. There might be some overlap because as we discussed there you know aren't really as many films as one might think featuring these two iconic monster kid favorites that's not to say that in this episode we're not going to talk a little bit more about the similarities in their history and that sort of thing we are going to talk a little bit about that we're also going to talk a little bit about something that was very important that Karloff and Lugosi did that had nothing to do with them appearing as monster kid favorites as horror actors instead it has more to do with what they did for actors throughout the entire film industry, effects that are still being felt today. So we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. Now, at the end of this episode, you're going to be able to hear the entire song, Serenia, by Low Sweat Guitars, so stay tuned for that. If you head over to monsterkidradio.net, you can find all of our contact information. Our email address is monsterkidradio at gmail.com. Our voicemail line is 503-479-5MKR. Of course, we also have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. You can find that there. And instead of actually looking in the show notes of this episode of Monster Kid Radio for a link to the Monster Movie Kid website, just click on where it says links and podcasts on our website, and you'll find a link to Rich's blog over there. And I'm excited because we're getting close to the beginning of October, and he's looking to do 31 days of Halloween over at his website. So I'm looking forward to following along with that, you know, when I'm not listening to a podcast or two. I want to thank everybody for all of the positive thoughts, words, juju, Whatever it is everybody did that's helping to make my recovery go as well as it is. I had my gallbladder removed, and I had a really bad car accident. And I'm just about over the hurdle of dealing with the car accident part of it. And I'm still recovering from my gallbladder surgery. Because of the surgery, I've not been able to do the two episodes a week thing. And we're not going to get a second episode this week either. However, I'm hopeful that either next week or the week after that, I can return to the two episodes a week schedule. I have some episodes that I've recorded with people like Scott Morris and Eric Peterson that I am excited to edit down and make into a couple of episodes of Monster Kid Radio. That'll happen here soon in the near future. Stay tuned. Just stay subscribed. And as soon as that happens, well, you'll start getting two episodes a week instead of one. Also thinking about maybe changing up the format just a little bit, but I think the best place to learn about anything like that is our Facebook group. That's where I tend to lead most of the discussions between episodes with the Monster Kid Radio listeners. So if you're on Facebook, look us up, join the group. I'll get you added pretty quick, and uh, we'll go from there. And let's go from here. Let's get on to part two of my discussion regarding Bella Lugosi and Boris Karloff with the Monster Movie Kid, Rich Chamberlain, right after this. Hammer Film Productions began in 1934, and after producing almost 200 films and television programs, the studio is still releasing and re-releasing new and classic film titles. 
1951 Down Place is the podcast that brings you the story of the great Hammer films, one movie at a time. Here are your hosts describing what Hammer means to them. First is Casey. Hammer means the beautiful and glamorous women of Hammer Horror, the engaging storytelling, and amazing period films. Joining him is Derek. Hammer means the incredible work of actors like Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and even Michael Ripper. The gothic storytelling, the incredible music, and the set pieces. And finally, here's Scott. A podcast about Hammer? I don't want to be the one to cross Tony Stark. This boy has a lot to learn. Join our hosts as they make their journey through the Hammer Films catalogue and discuss each film with critical opinion, historical facts, production notes, and other information about these classic films. 1951 Down Place can be found in iTunes or their website, www.1951downplace.com. Oh, so it's not Justin Hammer. 1951 Down Place, the home of Hammer Films discussion. We've talked a lot about their careers, where they kind of diverge, some of their similarities. One of the things that I was most excited about doing talking about these two iconic actors with you, was doing a top three list, our top three favorite Lugosi-Karloff collaborations. Now, you said earlier there's only a handful of movies, so I suspect there's going to be some similar films on our lists. But shall we give that a go? Let's give it a go. All right, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and start. That way, when we come to the end, you get to wrap it up and have the number one spot. So my number three of my top three Lugosi-Karloff collaboration list is going to be 1936's The Invisible Ray. This is the nebula in Andromeda. A ray from this nebula will be caught here and electrically transferred to the projector in my laboratory. From Andromeda? Three quarters of a million light years distant. I leave my secret with you. It is all there. More power than man has ever possessed. Power to heal, power to destroy. You're poisoned. Poisoned? And everyone I touch is poisoned. They die. If your men fail to capture him at the gate, then at midnight we bolt all doors and darken the entire house. His face and hands appear like like phosphorus. And uh, if he touches anyone, they die. Now, it's not a fantastic movie. In fact, I think Karloff doesn't belong in the role of Dr. Janos Rook. But one of the things that I like about this movie is the role reversal. At this point in Monster Moviedom, we, and as we've talked about, we still look at Lugosi as probably the guy that they cast that they would go to as the mad scientist type the the villainous of the more villainous of the two that sort of thing i like the invisible ray because i feel like the roles are reversed dr bennett played by lugosi is the voice of reason at times when it comes to dealing with dr rook and his discovery of radium x and the radiation and the murder and all this other stuff that's going on i like the way these two play off of each other and that's why it's my number three I, I would say yes. I agree that that's my number three as well. Um, <laughs> of course. I, I yeah, of course. I mean, I, I I almost I almost picked the 1940 comedy You'll Find Out, and, and the reason I did that. Uh, have you ever seen that movie? Yeah, it's been a while. 
I like that movie. It's it's got some painful parts to it. Um, yeah, the whole K Kaiser music thing is is kind of whacked out, but it's a very fun horror comedy, and I like it because Karloff and Lugosi really come off as equals in that film. In 1940, the same year when Black Friday came out, clearly Karloff outshined Lugosi, and Lugosi did get the shaft in that film by Universal. You'll find out though shows that they could still be equals in that environment. And, and they, they played off each other wonderfully well. And it's got Peter Lorre in it. Yeah, I was going to say, um, you put Lorre in the mix and you've got gold. Exactly. And, and that's why, you know, I, it's, it's got to be like a 3.5 for me. Visible Ray <laughs> is just a tad better because in my mind, it was still during that prime early to mid-1930s raw Karloff Lugosi era. And, uh, and yeah, Visible Ray would be my number three as well. I think they just showed that on Sven Gulli not too long ago as well, which is how I most recently saw it. So, good film. I just yeah, I just watched it actually last night, very late. It had been several years since I'd seen it, and it, it holds up very well. I think I think it's an underrated film. Actually, yep. I don't think it gets the love that it, that it should get. Agreed. Well, my number two is going to be a movie that we've mentioned more than once, uh, talking about these two. Son of Frankenstein, for me, is my number two from 1939. It's the third and final time Karloff would play the monster for Universal in a film. And we've got Bela Lugosi outshining everybody in this move tenfold as Igor, the man they could not hang. As a man, I could destroy him. But as a scientist, I should do everything in my power to bring him back to conscious life. Edison, turn on the generator. Produced on a vast scale, Son of Frankenstein presents the most fearsome cast in the history of the screen. The Rathbone. In his heart, warm human emotions. In his mind, the monster mania. Karloff, rising from the past to spread new terror. Ugosi, sinister, mysterious, evil. Lionel Atwill, grim hatred in his blood. I happen might think you're a worse fiend than your father. Where is this monster? Where is he? I'll stay by your side until you confess. And if you don't, I'll feed you to the villagers. Lugosi is fantastic as Igor. Deserved top billing in this movie, I feel, is one of the iconic roles that Lugosi should be known for. I love Son of Frankenstein. It's not in my top three. I think Son of Frankenstein suffers a little bit from pacing. I think it is the longest out of all the universal horror films. It cranks in like an hour and 40 minutes. And I think that it it suffered a little bit from editing. That's just my opinion. Um, But you are correct in that Lugosi outshines everybody in that one. Basil Rathbone, I think, got the top billing because he had just started the, the Sherlock Holmes series. I think he mm-hmm. even gets over Karloff, if, I'm, if I remember correctly. But clearly, Lugosi outshines Karloff in this, in this movie. As I said earlier, I think Karloff gives probably his least of his three appearances as the monster in this one. But I think that's just the way that the monster was written. It's hard to top what he had done four years earlier in Bride of Frankenstein. That's true. I mean, uh, I was going to say earlier when you were talking about it, he does seem the most tired in this film. He just yeah. seems like he's kind of going through the motions. That said, I still like the two of them together. And oh, yeah. You know, just Igor and the monster, Igor leading the monster through big parts of this movie. 
I just love the way they play off of each other. They're both in heavy makeup. They're both doing what they do. Even though Karloff seems tired, he's still playing the monster better than anybody else could. I love the film. Well, my number two would be The Black Cat, ah. uh, which is their first collaboration. Yes. From 1934. Are you worried, Vetus? About myself? No. The girl? Perhaps. Oh. You're interested? Maybe. I thought so. Well, I'm not. Only spiritually. Spiritually. Tonight is the dark of the moon. And we shall gather and... You had better come, Vetus. The ceremony will interest you. Don't pretend, Hjalmar. There was nothing spiritual in your eyes when you looked at that girl. You banned to keep her here. Perhaps. I intend to let her go. Is that a challenge, Vetus? Yes, if you dare to fight it out alone. Do you dare play chess with me for her? Yes. I will even play you chess for her. Provided if I win, they are free to go. You won't win, Beatus. This is a wild flick because, and I never realized this before, and I've seen this countless times. Just rewatched it a couple nights ago. There is a soundtrack that plays almost the entire time in the background of the movie. Which is I odd never, for a movie of this era. Yeah, yeah, and that's why there were several scenes I was like, I, it just stood out. Sometimes it just kind of, I, had, I guess I'd put it out of my mind, but then I was like noticing it in several scenes. I was like, this would be a scene where there should, there should be nothing in the background, and the music seemed really out of place at times. It's an odd choice, the soundtrack that they used, and I don't know if there was a reason behind it. Um, I couldn't find anything. I, I'd read some things trying to figure out if there was a, a method behind the madness, but I, I couldn't find anything. But I loved in this film how Lugosi and Karloff again is the first collaboration together, and they're equals. Even though Karloff has the top billing, uh, Karloff is maniacal in this film, but he's just he's just evil. You know, he just, he's not the crazy over the top mad scientist. He just he just you look at him and say, yeah, this guy's just not right. But Lugosi would do the over-the-top performance <laughs> at times. He would just go absolutely nuts when the black cat would come by. It was almost comical, but then he was almost sad. It's like this this is a guy that is so tortured because of the, the loss of his wife and, and of his daughter and then the fear of the cats and the the utter hatred that that you know he has for Karloff's character in the movie. And the fact that this I don't think this was, was pre-code, it was about the time, well, no, 1934 was still pre-code, wasn't it? That was about the time that the code was coming into play, so, because right. there were, there was some, some horrific scenes um, in this movie that you would not have seen a couple years later, and so I think that's why the Black Cat is just, I did not see this until it came out on, on VHS in the early 90s, and when the very first time I saw it, I just, it became one of my you know, all-time favorite Universal horror films. It'd be my number two. It's fantastic. It, it it was Universal's biggest hit of 1934. It is gruesome in spots. I mean, it was flat-out banned in some countries overseas uh, because of the gruesomeness in the film. Now, these days, it's pretty tame, probably, but it is such a creepy, effective film. A lot of it has to do with the director. I mean, Edgar Ulmer is a fantastic director and works a yeah. lot 
of background and lighting into his movies that make his movies just a thrill to watch. That's why The Black Cat's my number one. Uh, it is my favorite collaboration of the two. There's a role reversal again. Karloff is just flat out evil and wicked and just looks creepy. And if it wasn't for, and I'm not judging, but if it wasn't for the lisp, man, he would be like the number one villain of almost all time in this film. I mean, he's so chilling in this movie. And Lugosi is the hero for a big part of the film. Now, at the end, he gets to play dark and creepy as well, but for a big part of the movie, he's the hero. Sort of. And it does suffer a little bit because it's called The Black Cat, supposedly based on an Edgar Allan Poe story, even though it has nothing to do with The Black Cat by Edgar Allan Poe. The Black Cat sequences, where Lugosi freaks out when he sees a cat, are pretty silly. I think they come across as silly and out of place and comedic because they just had nothing to do with the story. It's like they had to throw something in there to justify the title. But, uh, man, this movie is so good. The only thing it did really was just to enhance, I guess, how tortured he was and, and to make him as sympathetic as he was. Yeah, but, I can yeah, see it's, that. It's, it is definitely stretching the, the Poe connection to about the thinnest. Which isn't the first or last time we'd ever see that. It also has David yeah. Manners in it, who was in Dracula, who was in The Mummy. So he's one of Universal's stock non-monstrous characters for a lot of these movies. It's a great film. I actually got a chance to see this for the first time theatrically as a 35mm print a couple of years ago at uh, the Art Museum here in Portland, uh, part of a series that they were doing with a local film uh, production class, I believe, or maybe the film school, I don't remember. But to see it that way in a theater with a bunch of people who love this kind of stuff, it was fantastic. This movie is so good. It's on DVD somewhere, isn't it? It is. Um, I was going to mention, the best set, if you want to get a really good chunk of, of the Karloff Lugosi films. It's called, oddly enough, the Bella Lugosi collection. Oh, that's five, right. yeah. It's got five films on it, and four of the five are Karloff Lugosi collaborations. The that's, only other non-Karloff Lugosi film is Murders in the Rue Morgue, which if I was doing a, an all-time favorite just Lugosi list, yep. it would be in my top three. It's I, uh Totally spaced on it. I actually have this collection, of course. Yeah, it's got The Angels of War, it's got The Raven, it's got all these movies on it. You can also get The Black Cat as part of Universal's like Manufactured On Demand series. They're selling it for $15 on Amazon right now. But for $18 on Amazon, you get the Bella Lugosi collection with the five movies. So that's how I'd go. Yeah. Yeah, oh, definitely. Definitely. I'm glad that it's still in print. Uh, I'm glad they haven't taken it out of print because it's uh, it gives you a, a fine example and gives my number one. Karloff Lugosi collaboration, which would be The Raven. You've got to do something. You've got to save my daughter's life. Dr. Volin. Can we get Dr. Volin? You're the one chance she's got. A month ago, I didn't know you. Now I owe my life to you. You mustn't see her again. Is my talisman, Mr. Chapman. I want you should change my face. I can do it. Maybe if a man looks ugly, he does ugly things. You are saying something profound. A man with a face so hideously ugly. And please try to remember, should anything happen to me, you remain the hideous monster that you are. The doctor is fascinated by death. 
and pain and how much pain a man can endure. Well, I do agree with him that Dr. Ballin is a little mad. I tell you, it's dangerous to be under this man's roof. <laughs> I can't use my hand to do it. Your hand is used to torture. Your hand must do it. My brain, your hand. You monster. You like to torture. I like to torture. It's as if we were all in a tomb. There is now no way of getting up. You will live in this place forever and ever. It'll be the perfect marriage. You will never be separated. Never. <laughs> This one, again, very loose Poe connection, but they utilize Poe, I think, a, a much better in this one than they did in The Black Cat. This is the film that, again, Karloff gets top billing, but it's Lugosi's film. He plays the, the doctor, uh, Richard Vaughn, who uh, falls in love with a young woman that he saves, becomes obsessed with her, and clearly goes off the deep end in this one. He, he sees clearly insane. And uh, the Poe connection is that, you know, he, his character loves Poe. Uh, there is a, a stuffed raven that is present uh, in a lot of the scenes. But he has also recreated a lot of Poe's torture devices, including the classic pit and the pendulum, and ends up kind of creating his own trap that is, is a, uh, in honor of Poe. He, I think towards the end of the movie he said, uh, you know, uh, you know, that he had surpassed Poe's legacy or whatever the effect that he was saying. But, you know, he gives a, a fantastic evil performance. Karloff essentially displays a guy in the wrong place at the wrong time. He's a criminal who goes to Volan to get plastic surgery and ends up being horribly disfigured because Lugosi is, is wanting to use him basically as a henchman. Now, the makeup, unfortunately, does not hold up because Karloff's right eye is supposed to be, like, drooping and stuff. And watching it on my big screen television, it is so blatantly obvious that it's not his eye. That You know, it is, it's, uh, it's a painted-on eye. In this day and age, it's too obvious. That, that's, that, was, that kind of threw me a couple of times when they would do close-ups. It's like, that's not his eye. But that aside, I mean, Karloff... There is one scene where after Karloff sees his image in mirrors and he shoots up all the mirrors and Lugosi is just laughing hysterically up above to a window, Karloff, he's either, it's one of two things happened. He either channeled what he had done, you know, four years earlier or that same year. He sounds like the monster. He lets out this groan and this moan that was like, that's the monster. Either he, he channeled what he had done or Universal dubbed it back in. Uh, it's hard to tell which because it sounds exactly like some of his grunts and groans from 1931's Frankenstein. It, it pulled me out of that scene. I'm thinking, well, that's the monster. <laughs> but, you know, it, at that time, you have to think that audiences might not have remembered from four years earlier because they don't have the home video at home back then to, to remember what he sounded like. So they may have just had Karloff may have just channeled that. But I love the movie. It's it's got a much stronger connection to Poe. It is similar. I, I think, you know, Karloff had kind of done this years earlier. There's another movie where Karloff is like taking revenge on, on some people who had done him wrong. I can't remember which of his mad scientist movies it is, but 
that's it's in many ways it's almost a a remake of some of the scenes from this one where he's got all the people guests at his home and you know ends up planning several of their deaths and and uh i don't know yeah that's that's my personal favorite uh the the raven uh i hadn't seen that in quite a few years and, and rewatching it just last night uh, uh absolutely fell in love with it again there's some great images of Lugosi with the raven in the foreground or the background Beautiful photography in this movie. Something else that, and I, we didn't talk about this when we were talking about the similarities between Legosi and Karloff. They were also very involved in getting the Screen Actors Guild off the ground. They were very involved yeah. in actors' rights and things like that. And during the production of The Raven, Legosi actually worked to get other cast members involved in the movie to sign up with the guild and to get involved with that as well. So yeah, they they work together on a lot of that stuff. So I mean, I think that again kind of squelches a little bit of the how much were they really rivals, and how much was it you know Hollywood kind of manufacturing this rivalry to stir up ticket sales or stir up whatever. Um, their legacy alone for doing that probably outshines the work that they did in the movies. Uh, what they did behind the scenes still has a an impact on actors today. Agreed. Well, fortunately, most of, if not all, of their collaborations are available on DVD. Uh, we mentioned that Bella Lugosi collection, which is a universal release, even though it's not very obvious that it is in terms of its packaging. It doesn't say universal all over it, but it is a universal release. So you can get a lot of these movies, Lugosi films, pretty easily. The Karloff stuff's all over out there. you got to have a lot of Karloff and Lugosi in your collection. You just have to. That, that, that's one of the requirements of being a monster kid, I think. <laughs> I think if you don't, someone needs to stage an intervention <laughs> and needs to sit you down and uh, and educate you. You know, you'll find out it um, wasn't available for, for a long time. And it is on a set that is actually called the Karloff and Lugosi Horror Classics. Right. Now, clearly, Karloff gets the better end of the deal with that set because you have the fantastic film The Walking Dead on that set. Um, and you also have Frankenstein 1970, while not oh, necessarily a good film. Oh, I, I love yeah, it. It's got a, yeah, I do love it, too. I mean, it's it's not up to the standard of the other Frankenstein films, but it, it is so much a, a representation of its time period, 19th, and it's so fun to see Karloff back in that back in that world again. Now, from, you know, you got You'll Find Out, which is a Karloff-Lugosi collaboration, the only one that's on that set, and then we're going to go back to Zombies on Broadway, which is the Lugosi representation on that set. And that, <laughs> yeah, that's a rough one. That's a rough one. So I think I think if you would have covered that over on your other podcast, that might have might have been a uh, a sign of impending doom. So <laughs> there are some zombie films that need to be left alone, and Zombies on Broadway <laughs> is one of them. Oh, all right, all right, I remember that. <laughs> But yeah, there's, there's, a, you can, I think you can get pretty much everything that both Lugosi, well, obviously a lot of their silent films are lost or are very hard to get a hold of, but you can get pretty much everything they did from the sound era from like 1930, 31 on, uh, it's pretty easy to find either on an official release or it's not going to take you very long finding, may search it out eBay or something. You can get pretty much everything they did. The television works a little bit harder. Some of Karloff's television work uh for example the colonel march on scotland yard is hard to find but uh um the the karloff lagosi collaborations are uh are easy to find it's not going to take you too hard i've never seen gift of gab have you seen gift of gab i don't think i have we didn't talk about that because it's not really a true 
Karloff Lugosi collaboration, they have a cameo appearance where they play themselves. And I think, and I could be wrong in this, that may actually be the first time they were on film together. That may actually predate the Black Cat. I've never seen it. It's a kind of a low-budget comedy from 1934. And the only reason I think it got remembered is because Karloff and Lugosi are playing, if I remember correctly, I think they're playing chess in a, in a scene strictly for comedy purposes. And it's just, it's just a little comedy snippet. Huh. Um, it's considered one of their collaborations, and I think it's a stretch because they're essentially they're playing themselves, and I don't count that as a as an acting appearance when they're appearing as themselves in a movie, but other people do. So uh, that one has never been officially released. I don't know how easy that one is to find. I've never pursued it because I've seen the little clip, and I was like, okay, well, I've seen the clip, so I don't need to see the other 69 and a half minutes of the movie because it does not sound <laughs> very appealing. Although I love low-budget comedies, this one doesn't sound... Uh, doesn't sound like it's worth finding. If I'm wrong, someone can come forward and say, hey, it is a good film, go. and, and search it out. There you go. Yeah, I was just looking. It looks like it is available on YouTube. So, you know, because Richard and I have not enough movies to watch, maybe I'll put it on the list of movies to, to check out at some point when I run out of everything else. Yes, yes. We'll, we'll put it in our, uh, in our top 100 films to watch before we die. There we go. There we go. Well, man, I want to thank you for coming on and talking about Lugosi and Karloff. I know we did this at the very beginning. Let's do it again. How do people find you online? Well, I have my website, monstermoviekid.wordpress.com. I um, fluctuate how often I post there, but I typically go about two or three times a week. Some weeks I may take a break, and uh, whenever I post something new, I always post it out on Facebook and uh, all the various pages, uh, a lot of the horror podcasts that I listen to. Uh, Monster Kid Radio. If you follow Monster Kid Radio, every time I post, it's going to be on there, and, and that'll get you to my, to, uh, my website. Yeah, we definitely have you active in the group where people can see, well, pretty much everything that's going on with the Monster Kid Radio listeners. So thank you for always posting your blog posts there for us, and thanks again for joining us here this week to talk about two of the patron saints of Monster Kid Radio. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. monstermoviekid.wordpress.com is where you can follow along with what Rich is up to every day of the week. Because like I said, in October, he's going to be doing the 31 days of Halloween. And I'm looking forward to see if he can pull this off. He's done it before. I'm sure he can do it again. And he's just a fun website. It's a website that taps into what's fun about these movies. Even if the movies are terrible. Even if he doesn't like a particular Godzilla film, for example. He doesn't go out of his way just to trash it for trashing its sake. It's a fun look at movies that may not succeed as well as others, but you know, never really talking down to the films and trashing the films or trashing people who enjoy these movies. And because of that, it's a highly recommended website for monster kids everywhere. I'm not sure what's going to happen next week. Like I said, I may come back with the two episode a week format. We'll see. Keep your fingers and tentacles crossed. I'm hoping that I'll be up and running for a couple of the special events that are happening in my neck of the woods. On Friday, October 4th and Saturday, October 5th is Zompire, the Undead Film Festival here in Portland, Oregon. It's happening over at the Clinton Street Theater in Portland. You can find them over at Zompire.com. This is put together by the same folks who put together the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival, so you know it's going to be a lot of fun. And then on October 8th, Tuesday of next week, Monster Kid Radio will crash the Hollywood Theater here in Portland for a 35-millimeter print screening of... The Seven Brothers Meet Dracula, also known as The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires, also known as the only kung fu flick starring Peter Cushing, I think. Well, the only one playing that night anyway, so 
go check that out. You know, I've actually got that set up as an event over on Facebook as well, where you can go in and commit to going there. People are starting to talk a little bit about the movie. I've posted the trailer there as well. This is going to be a blast. We just talked about The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires over at 1951 Down Place, my Hammer Films podcast that I produced with Scott Morris and Casey Criswell. We did that back in episode 23. You can find that at 1951downplace.com. There are a lot of things happening in my neck of the woods, and I'm sure there are a lot of things happening in your neck of the woods as well. October's coming up, ladies and gentlemen. I cannot wait. Oh, man, this is it, man. This is what us monster kids live for. Halloween is coming. By the time this episode goes out, man, 30 days and we're counting down to, well, our favorite time of the year. So I hope you can keep it together till then. And I hope you can keep it together until next week's episode. I'm out of here. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivations, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that does not apply to the song Serenia. It is owned by the band Low Sweat Guitars. You can find that on the album Lost B-Sides, and it appears in this episode of Monster Kid Radio with their permission. Talk to you next week. (laughs) 